welcome to Silence, a podcast that gives women a chance to get honest and open about what it's really like surviving and thriving in what often feels like a male-dominated world. All of my guests have been handpicked from the fields of science, technology, engineering, mathematics or STEM, where inclusivity and diversity can be a real issue. I know this only too well, having been a mechanical engineer myself for a number of years. I'm Dr. Shanice O'Mara, now a television broadcaster. I've worked on and reported on some cutting edge technology and innovation over the years. And through my TV work, I've met some incredibly inspiring women from a diverse range of STEM fields. These women are true trailblazers and I've often felt so empowered myself by learning what they're like as real people, usually when the TV cameras have been turned off and they're just being themselves. Each week on Silence, one of these women shares her unique experiences and truth without the usual pressure and stress of having to promote her accomplishments or uphold her impressive reputation. How? Because all of my guests are deliberately kept anonymous in disguise to ensure that we as listeners are not distracted or maybe even intimidated by all the usual kinds of societal labels and trophies. The women of STEM on this show have amazingly impressive CVs, but most importantly, they're human, just like the rest of us. And I want to share the inspiration and wisdom that I've gathered from them with you. It's my hope that you really relate to what we chat about today. If so, please do subscribe to Silence and maybe even rate and review the show. I'd love to have your feedback. This week, my guest is in the field of chemistry. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on this very unusual show. How are you feeling about sort of uh, the prospect of sharing your experiences about being a woman in chemistry? I'm a little bit nervous, but I, I think it's important to share these experiences and speak out because, you know, these, all these experiences, are, most women will go through them in science and in areas too uh, and by actually talking about them we give comfort to each other and strength to each other do you often get to sort of like talk about the human side of doing what you do i wouldn't say so much in the science field uh i, I feel like the kind of people that especially that i'm working with at the moment the talk is not particularly personal um it's more Sort of chatting about the problems in the work environment and helping each other come up with solutions, but it doesn't really get to a personal, sort of deep uh, conversation. But do you have sort of like a group of friends where you can sort of share, or are you not that way inclined? Like maybe you're just a person who doesn't need to sort of talk about your inner world. Um, I do. I sort of friends from school that I'm still in touch with, um, but I they wouldn't. I wouldn't say they're sort of in the, in the science area. It's very much sort of more a separate thing um so in terms of you know scientists that i work with can i talk to them about this kind of thing i'd say well no not really it's sort of friends and support systems from outside the science world and explaining to them what it's like mm. uh, and having them, them trying to understand the best they can given that they're not feeling that themselves yeah i mean the reason why i ask is because i never had that um sort of like when I was going through MechEng I just I didn't realize that I wasn't talking about my experiences I just went for years and years kind of mute um yeah what do you reckon you're on that similar sort of track uh I'd say probably it's very easy to not know who to talk to who would understand on a deep level mm. 
Yeah. I think other women in science, it's not the kind of thing that we'd talked about, like talk to each other about because maybe we fear it will show weakness. Yeah. Maybe we feel like we have to not be bothered by this. So we hide from each other. Yeah. I, I, it's an interesting, it's an interesting problem that's, that's going on. I mean, what are the ratios like of men to women in chemistry? Uh, so it's not great in terms of uh, studying sort of undergraduate chemistry degrees tend to be maybe 50, 50, uh, 60, 40, depending on where exactly you look. But it's not, it's not too bad, actually. Uh, maybe slightly more men, but generally pretty good. But what you tend to find is as you raise through sort of the ranks going up, um, so sort of for, for PhDs, the ratio becomes much more sort of 75, 25, roughly speaking. Wow. And postdocs, again, the women sort of drop off. I mean, and then what you're left, what you're left uh, at the end is really a lack of female role models in the field. Yeah. Because at my, at the university I went to to do my undergraduate degree, there was about three women academics in the whole department. Oh, gosh. I didn't have a single female lecturer for my whole first year. It wasn't until the second year we actually had one of those academics lecture. So I had no contact with these female lecturers, no sort of observation of them. Um, but yeah, there was a massive imbalance mm. within the academia. And I also did a year in industry as part of my degree and. I remember the company saying, this was in sort of a, a drug discovery company, the company was saying, oh, yeah, we're very proud that we've got, I think it was almost 50-50 ratio of female to male workers. And it was actually my boss, who was, a, who was a man, really good guy, turned around and said to me afterwards, well, they say that, but what they don't actually say is that if you look at the splitting of sort of where those women work, they're not at the top. Yeah, those women are. If you look at the roles like team leaders and managers, the women aren't there. Mm. At those roles, it's not a fifty-fifty split. And where are you in your career? So I'm currently doing a PhD. Right. So uh, you've got to a, you've got to an advanced level. Um, how come? I mean, have you been put off by these ratios, or does it not affect you? To be honest, I actually see it as empowering. So if anything, it does it does me good. <laughs> as strange as that might sound, like yeah, it is it is difficult, especially when you're. I think when you're very young, um, sort of sort for for schoolgirls to not have role models because the idea doesn't even really enter their head. You know, they don't see these women, and they're not going to get the ideas. I was quite lucky that I went to I went to an all girls school. And it was a science and engineering school uh, for my high school. And they they did encourage us to, you know, they did say to us, you can go into the sciences, you can go into mm. engineering. So I was incredibly lucky and blessed to have that, to have that support and go, this is an option for you. Yeah. From an early age. I'm really seeing a strong trend in um, women that have come from single sex schools because with the absence of males in education it kind of makes the girls sort of muck in and take on all roles mm. rather than sort of like subduing themselves to just the 
typically female roles. Mm. So how does it work then having come from a single sex school and now sort of being much more aware of the ratios and the drop-off rates of women in chemistry then? I'd say more that as I become, you know, coming from an a all-girls school, I wasn't really aware, perhaps, I was aware of sort of the lack of role models perhaps, but mm. the idea that I, you know, I couldn't go or that it was more challenging for me to go into science wasn't really a problem. Mm. But then it when I went to university and saw, you know, in the industry, in, in academia, this imbalance, you know, it, it is a shame. It's upsetting, but I actually find it, it makes me proud to be a scientist. Right. And so that's what you mean by empowering, right? It kind of spur, yeah, it kind of spurs me on. It's like, you know, I've got to represent the women. Mm. But does that not put a lot of pressure on you? Yeah, I think it, I think it does. I think it does. I think that's something that, a lot of people don't think about that you know when I'm doing something when I'm trying to achieve something I don't just see it as I'm achieving this for myself I'm achieving this to be able to say you know what women women can do this women can be the best in the year you know we have you know we, we can be as good as given the equal opportunities so it sounds like you're um, more than happy to sort of like take on the the responsibility of representing, you know, women in chemistry, which sounds like a really lofty sort of responsibility. But it's kind of <laughs> it is kind of something you are taking on by sticking yeah. with it. Um, tell me about your journey. Like, how did it all start that you uh, chose chemistry? Like, from an early age, was it obvious that you were going to go into that subject? Uh, definitely not, <laughs> actually. Um, not one of those people who was, oh, you know, when, I'm, when I was five, I wanted to know about how, you know, this reaction worked. It definitely wasn't that. Uh, I originally wanted to be a vet. Uh, and that, that was up until I was about 13, 14. And I did some work experience um, at, at veterinary surgeons and I I found out I just couldn't do it really uh, what about it too emotional. yeah just too emotional um I thought that uh, I really love animals and they're a big part of my life which is why originally I wanted to be a vet but I found that I thought I couldn't let go you know in, with all walks of life you, you win some you lose some there's going to be some things that you can't, you know, it's going to be, there would have been animals that I wouldn't have been able to save. And I, I think some people have the personality where they can just say, you know, I tried my best and walk away. Mm. Whereas I knew I wouldn't be able to do that. I'd hold on to right. it. Yeah. And that inevitably it'd be bad for my health. Mm. It's interesting you say that actually, because my sister's a vet and uh, I, you know, hearing you say that makes me realize I probably don't appreciate just how much she takes on. Yeah, it was really difficult. I loved it, but it was it was really difficult. Sort of, you know, as as a placement student, being young, I'd have jobs like you know, like feeding the animals in the kennels and like changing their bedding and that kind the of cute stuff. stuff. It, you'd spend all day like, well, yeah, like looking after an animal, like syringe feeding it because it wasn't well enough and all that kind of stuff. And then you'd come in the next day and you'd be like, oh, where's this, where's this cat? I was like looking after all of this mm. day. And you'd be like, oh, it's passed away. And then it was just horrific. Yeah. 
And I thought, you know, I'm just, I'm just too emotionally invested. Right. So then why chemistry? Well, I then decided I wanted to be an astrophysicist. <laughs> As you do. And then, <laughs> just a little yeah. shift. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a like, sci-fi nerd. So I think that's where that <laughs> came from. Um, and then when it actually came down to doing my A-levels, I did uh, double maths, physics and chemistry. And I did chemistry actually because I thought it, it went nicely with the, with the physics and the maths. And then I started doing the A-levels and I was doing physics and I thought, oh, is this for me? And then I, I was doing chemistry and I actually thought, you know what, I'm actually really enjoying this. But it was literally just sort of almost last minute, ah, oh, this is <laughs> expected, but really enjoying it. Right. And uh, yeah, I, I think I honestly made the right decision. <laughs> Cool. I mean, it sounds like from an early age, you were always STEM skewed, because even to sort of like embark on a veterinary career, you have to study the sciences, right? Yeah. And I think being a scientist, and I, I've said this to, um, so in the past, I've done sort of teaching, some bits and bobs of teaching. And I, I always say to the students, to be a scientist, the most important thing is being able to think, because anyone can just learn a bunch of facts. What being a scientist is really about is not knowing mm. something. It's about sitting and thinking and going over and trying to come up with ideas and thoughts and mm. just throwing things out there. And I like, I like telling them that because there's a lot of pressure in schools these days um, for children to just get the right answer. Yeah sort of in the classroom or in exam in exams, you know, mark schemes are have they used this yeah. this phrase, if yes, they get the mark. Mm. If not, then they don't get the mark. And it's encouraging them to be inventive and to really think about what's going on. It encourages them to just learn information. Don't you think uh science is the most guilty of that? Because it is, you know, at sort of lower levels, um literally just learning facts and rules and logic verbatim mm, yeah I mean, I mean if you compare it to sort of remembering high school and sort of earlier years english it's you know like how how do we interpret this this piece of writing at least that had some kind of idea of thought behind it you know how do you interpret this what do you think it means what do you think this mm means and there was a discussion it's a lot more subjective isn't it yeah whereas science is science and maths are just did you get this answer you know did you know this this thing but when you when you get to higher levels when you're doing research when you're doing real proper science you, nobody knows the answers you can't fall back on that you've got to be able to go so why isn't this working and um, how are you with the unknown i think it's a shock to the system <laughs> I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, because I really experienced that. Yeah. I think it is a shock to the system just going, I don't know what's wrong. <laughs> and it's frustrating yeah. um, to go, what? Just why isn't this working or what's gone wrong? And to just be mulling over. But at the same time, when you do crack it, it is really great. It's fine. Yeah. It's such an incredible feeling yeah for it all to just suddenly 
stick into place, place, especially if you've been sort of mulling over something for days or weeks, you know, trying to figure out, yeah, what does this result mean? And, you know, I've been trying to figure out, out what, you know, I did an experiment, I got this result, and that didn't make any sense. So I thought, I oh, know, I'll do three more experiments to try and figure out the first experiment. And then none of that data made sense either. Mm. And one day you're sort of, you know, in the bathtub or like walking home from work, or you're just thinking, you're just kind of thinking about it in the back of your mind as you're, as you're walking somewhere, and you suddenly go, oh, and it all just kind of drops into place, and you you think you got it, um, and it it just clicks, and that's such an incredible feeling. Yeah, but you don't really get the chance to have that feeling until you get to yeah, no, PhD not, level. Not I, I never did a master's, so I, I don't know whether you get the chance to be creative during a master's, but. I think masters was somewhere in between it definitely wasn't like that because you've got a lot yeah. more sort of being told what you're doing mm. you are doing something new um, but it, yeah it's definitely not on the same level I think PhD is when that really kind of kicks in which is kind of a shame because you've got to do a huge amount of stem to get there yeah yeah definitely so I mean you know it sounds like you know, which is similar to my experience, that there was a lot of learning, there was a lot of knowns that had to be learned. Um, and then, mm-hmm. you know, when you get to PhD level, you are able to sort of let your creativity run loose. Um, yeah. You know, it's, I'm just thinking about all the people that drop out before, because they're just unable to do the learning STEM bit. Yeah. How were you with that? Like, did it come easily to you at school? I'd say, as with everyone, there was things that came easy and things that came difficult. Um, You know, different topics. I think everyone usually finds something that they struggle with. Um, I'd say that I've got where I've got today because of hard work. And, again, it was something that I'd say to my students in relation to what science is really about, like what we've been discussing with um, research and not knowing the answer, it's that not just giving up straight away, you know, because if you're trying to learn something and you're struggling to learn it, but you get there in the end, that's actually probably doing you more good in the long run than someone who can just get it straight off the bat. Because when when you and that person get to research, they're going to go, my answer, I expect it to just fall in front of me. Whereas you've had to fight for the answer mm. uh, and work for yeah. it. Yeah. In some ways, I think it yeah. helps prepare you for that. I don't know. Like, it's, it's, such a, it's such an interesting journey being in STEM. I really take my hat off to women who have stuck it out. You're the second person in chemistry that I've had on this series who talks about the importance of hard work. And I'm wondering if it's a chemistry perspective or whether it's a women in STEM perspective. Because, you know, often the amount of work that is required to succeed in STEM is excessive. And I wonder what drives you to work that hard I think part of it is you know wanting to achieve wanting 
maybe, I don't know, prove myself perhaps. But, you know, I, I think I, even from a young age, I've had a desire for success, whether that's, you know, how I define success, but feeling like, you know, I've done something as a scientist, not necessarily becoming a huge scientist or anything like that, but just saying, you know, I've actually achieved something, I think is something I really wanted from a young age. And I think the other thing is sort of being the background I was raised in um, and seeing sort of the opposite end of the scale. So I was raised by um, essentially my, my grandmother. And she, when she turned 15, she was told, um, you can read and write and do basic maths. You're going to drop out of school, which she didn't want to do. You're going to drop out of school and you're going to go work in a factory um, until you get married and basically have children. That's because that's going to be your life. There's no point giving you an education. Um, because wow. you're just going to be a baby maker was essentially what she got told. Uh, and it was actually her mm. her grandmother fought for her. Um, and she, in the end, they came to a compromise and she went to night school to do sort of accountancy and right. maths. Um, and, mm. you know, my nan raised me and just hearing that story of how she wasn't allowed, she wasn't really given a choice of being able to fulfil her potential of being able to go ask these questions, why, and do research and learn about science, uh, mm. made me appreciate the opportunities I, I was given. And, may, you know, I see it that I've got to make the absolute best of, best of this opportunity. I think that's what helps drive me. Right. And did your grandmother use her qualifications? Yeah, she, she, had a, she was... Um, she worked for many years. Um, my granddad was a postman and um, she worked sort of doing the accounts for different firms um, until it was until she retired to look after me and my sister. And why, why did she want to work? What was driving her? I think, again, that ambition. Just, she, didn't, she didn't just want to just be a housewife. She didn't want to just be. I understand it because I, I think I'd go crazy I don't know how I don't know how people do it and it's fascinating to, to me you know probably, probably other people think it's fascinating that I can be a scientist and I think I think it's fascinating that people can yeah can be housewives and and um, you know stay at home mums it's it's an incredible it's an incredible thing for me to think about yeah I I often think about this because there seems to be two types of women there's the woman that you know is very maternal really wants kids knows they want kids from an early stage in their life um and they're kind of geared up for that and then there's you know women like us that are sort of ambitious and want to live our lives to our fullest potential and it's kind of a bit more of a selfish um uh attitude because it doesn't involve sort of wanting to look after another dependent ah, can i just interrupt you there yeah sure i find it interesting that you've used the word selfish yeah Why? to describe 
not wanting children. Really? I think that, yeah, I think that's really interesting. Let's chat about it. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, to, sorry to interrupt you. But... No, I mean, I really appreciate it. What, what's, what, uh, what was, what were you thinking? I feel like that's something we've had inflicted on us. And I, I definitely understand why you use the word and why, why you've, like, where it's coming from. Mm. I don't think it is selfish. I don't think really to say selfish. I mean, I understand where people like where the idea comes from, but you know, I don't think we should we should feel selfish. How do you feel about it? Um, it's a little bit complicated situation, but it's one of those things where, in terms of the using the word selfish, it's like it's our decision, just as it's our decision whether we want whether we want to have kids. Mm. those people yeah being, i mean ha- having having kids is in some ways selfish as well because the kids don't get yeah to whether they're born or not you're right and it's still a de- yeah as long as the important part is that you're making that decision for yourself and it is what you want that is what having kids or not should be about do you mm. have kids or do you not want to have kids it shouldn't be about what society makes you feel like you should do or what is the done thing or that your parents are complaining that they want grandchildren yeah it should be selfish whether you want kids or not but they should both be selfish and that's okay it's okay for them to be selfish because it's your life you know you're going to have kids for the rest of your life Mm. it's a massive thing so where do you stand on it do you want kids it's a rough one. To be honest, I change my mind <laughs> quite frequently. Yeah. I I've know said that. I've said that I said that I definitely don't want kids in my twenties. If I'm gonna if it's something I'm gonna do, it's firstly right. gonna be something that I want and me and my partner want, rather than it's the done thing and we feel like we just should do it because you know, that's what you do with your life. You married and you have kids, that's what you do with it. Yeah. That's not what I want. I want it to be a case of I wake up and I feel like I'm missing something from my life. I want, I actually want a child rather than just, all right, well, I guess it's the next thing on the on the job list kind of thing. Um, And I don't feel like I, maybe, I <laughs> Maybe when I sort of hit my 30s and I feel like I've kind of achieved a bit more and got more out of what I want from life, I'd, I'd maybe wake up and be like, actually, you know what, I do want this. Um, but right now, I don't, and in sort of the next eight years, uh, I, don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be, you know what, I want to focus on myself and enjoying myself and achieving because a lot of people say you know as a woman you can do the whole you can do raising kids and you can do being successful they don't have to be it doesn't have to be one or the other and I agree with that you can you can be successful and you can have children Mm. but it is hard to do it it is hard to do it and I don't honestly believe from what I've seen in my experience in chemistry that you can do both 
without the other being at least slightly impacted? It honestly is a really, really tricky situation. And I I just don't know what the solution is. Maybe one doesn't exist. But I've heard from so many different women on this show who, um, you know, they look like they have it all, but they honestly are exhausted. Um, they feel yeah. like they've had to compromise. They feel like yeah. things have slipped in order to juggle lots of different things like motherhood and career mm. and, mm. you know, uh, relationships, I guess, you know, friendships yeah. and romantic. And yeah. and so it's yeah. it's really not easy. But, you know, I'm... I'm really glad that you did pull me up on the selfish um, comment because I think what popped out there was, you know, the way I've been raised, which is if you don't Mm. have children, then you are living a very selfish life. Oh, and people say it all the time. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's not just a, your, your family thing. It's, it's definitely a society Mm. thing. How do you deal with that i'll be honest sometimes i don't <laughs> sometimes it just gets me uh yeah yeah how does that manifest like when it's getting to you i think when you think about like your family because it's very easy when someone stops you on the street and says you're selfish you're not wanting children then it's very easy to just be like i don't care about your opinion mm, you can go yeah. away when it's your family and you care about the people and the, you know, that you, you can tell they, they almost sort of disapprove of your decisions. I think that's yeah. hard. Yeah. That gets to you more. And it's people who, you know, you value their opinions, you want their approval. Having them turn around and say, like, oh, you're not going to have kids. Yeah, I totally, I, I totally resonate with that because, you know, in my situation, I feel like I've worked so hard to try and achieve things in my life. And that has required me to actually wear a very focused and professional hat. And so, you know, being Mm. that sort of like strong, tenacious character doesn't really give you much leeway to be maternal and kind of nurturing and thinking about becoming a mum. And so when people Mm. sort of turn around and say, how come you haven't had kids yet? You know, it's like, well, because I was just in a completely different mindset that wouldn't have warranted having kids. Um, And then I feel bad about it. And um, yeah, so that's why I'm kind of interested to know how you deal with it. I think it's important to focus on the what you want is important you know Mm. this this is my life I've worked hard to be here really hard to achieve where you know to get to where I am today Mm. and things are going to be my decision I'm not going to just you know put that to one side that hard work it means something yeah does that mean then you have a specific goal for your life or just a plan 
<laughs> I wish I did. Um, I think it's, I tend to find if I try and think about the bigger picture too much, I feel I can get a bit lost. And sometimes it's just easier to take it day by day. Mm. I want to feel successful in the world of science. You know, whether that's sort of in the very long term, I'd say, you know, becoming a professor would be a pretty cool achievement. I feel like if I could, if I could become a, one day be a professor, I'd be pretty happy with what I'd achieved in my life. Why? I, I ask because, you know, you seem to be very um, clear on your sort of academic and professional goals. And I wonder what it is that is driving you to have those goals like what are you ultimately seeking I guess part of it is just I do actually enjoy what I do right and it's nice to be good at it Mm. someone say you know you are good at it look you know here's here's you know your success you're you're good at this and it's it's nice when you enjoy something and you're and you're good at it Yeah. I mean, it sounds like, you know, you have a strong sense of purpose. Like, you know, you're good at something. You you're passionate about it. Yeah, I definitely care about it. And sometimes I think it's almost a downfall. Um, Because. Actually, well, it's sometimes I think it's a downfall. And actually, sometimes I think it's something that's actually really useful. Uh, in chemistry and the reason I say mm. that is because there's been times at work where you know I've been really passionate about my work and then something's gone wrong and it's got to me it's you know it's like oh this is really I'm really struggling with this like this is really frustrating this is really upsetting like, I, don't, I don't know what's going on um and I've had other people say to me like you need to you need to get less bothered by this usually those people are male <laughs> It's not always a case of women care more about and get more sort of emotional about the work and men don't. But I think, mm. you know, there are obviously exceptions to that rule, but it, it, it does happen a lot in my experience. Um, and I'll, I'll sort of get upset. So in some ways that's, that's a bad thing. But at the same time, I've actually come a lot across a lot of, really good things in my work because I've cared so much because there have been times when I've seen a little something and rather than just going oh no, I won't I won't worry about it like, oh, I'll just kind of get on with it I've gone actually no I, I, what is this like, I, I, I want to know what this is like this is bothering me and I've actually put the effort into it because I care about it mm. um, and then I've actually found something really interesting it developed into a, a really interesting thing. So it's a difficult one, but I'd say actually being really passionate and caring about your work and being emotional about your work. You know, I think there's a lot of pressure to be not emotional about your work. Yeah. To be very sort of cut off from it emotionally, to just be logical. But I think, I think not only is it about being passionate about what you do and enjoying it, but I think that emotion can be helpful. Yeah, I mean, the way you describe it, I mean, 
it kind of reminds me of the way I felt when I finished my doctorate, which is I felt like I'd given birth to something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it took me four and a half no. years. It was yeah. it was my baby. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when people comment like, you know, why haven't you had kids and things like that? I'm I feel like I kind of did. But I mean, it's so not in the form that people would understand. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, just in having this conversation, I am realizing that we really do put our hearts and our souls into doing something like that. Yeah. And, um, because so few of us do it, it's, you know, we are in such a minority and, you know, I've definitely felt like a bit of a weirdo for feeling, you know, uh, really, uh, consumed by my work. Yeah. Um, and and therefore not being able to sort of have space for a family and things like that. So, but in in having this conversation, there's like a certain level of acceptance and um, just you know relief in a way that you may be experiencing the same thing. Because I've you know this is why conversations like this are so great because I felt like such a weirdo for um, thinking and feeling this way. Yeah, I think it's just pressures of other people and what, and partly even ourselves. Like we, we, I feel like I've not had anyone directly say to me, you know, you're you're a weirdo for, for, you know, wanting to do this with your life. I've been generally, generally praised for, it, especially by sort of women who aren't in science. Okay, that's encouraging. Oh, you're a scientist. That's really cool. Mm. And it's like, you know what? I think it is pretty cool. Yeah, it is. It absolutely it's, is. It's empowering. It's uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what is the plan for the future? Are you um you know, where do you see your life going? So there's always the question between academia and industry um i'm not entirely sure where i want to go with uh i like the idea of doing academia i like the idea of you know doing tutoring and lecturing and research and having a research group um so in terms of just sort of what i think i'd enjoy i think i'd enjoy that more because there's lots of versatility um whereas in industry especially sort of at the beginning, it can be quite repetitive, I think, from what I've seen in my experience. Um, the problem with academia from, again, what I've seen is that the hours and work it takes to be successful. Because, I mean, uh, my boss, he works weekends, he works... You know, I get emails from him at God knows what time in the morning because mm. he's, you know, he's reading and he's working. And I just think, you know, I, you know, I'm willing to work hard, but there's a point where I've got to say, for the sake of my health, I'm not doing that. I'm not working a 70 hour week every week. Like It's something I've done in the past for, like, oh, you know, I've got a deadline coming up kind of thing. To do that for years in order to be successful, 
I don't think it's a reasonable ask. Yeah. Um, and, and especially, you know, I, it's important to have a life just outside of work. It's not healthy to only have work, whether that's, you know, even if that's just sort of you relaxation. Mm. Do time, you get to have that reading now? Um, I'd say it depends on what's going on. So I had a deadline recently and that and that was for the weeks coming up to that, that was going in at weekends and staying till God knows what time uh at work. But once that deadline was over, it's you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to a sort of more normal week. I'm not gonna go in at the weekend. You know, if it's, it's the kind of thing of if I have to do it, I'll do it. Mm. I'm happy to do it because I want I want to do well. And sometimes you just have to put in the extra hours. But it's not something I'm willing to do for the rest of my life to not have some me time, to not have relationships. You you seem to have such a strong sense of self that it doesn't sound like you're too easily uh, influenced by what other people think of you. Is that true? <laughs> I think I'm very good myself, <laughs> if I'm honest. Sometimes sometimes people do get to me. Um, but I think I'm reasonably good at pushing those thoughts away. Mm. Is that something you've always been good at or have you learned over time? Um, I'd say I was, I've always been a bit sensitive, especially when I was younger. Mm. I think it's something I've built up over time to actually say, you know, I'm going to focus on what I what I want to focus on. Yeah, no, I definitely think it was something that I actually really developed during my undergraduate degree. Um, actually, when I went and did EU in industry, because one of the most important things I learned there, in addition to sort of all the, you know, the lab techniques and all that kind of stuff, mm. was sort of self-worth. Yeah. You learn I, in that industry environment, which was largely men, I learned to fight for myself. Yeah. Um, and it'd be a case of being in the lab and I'd be using a piece of equipment and I'd, I'd go somewhere to check on something or something small would happen and I'd come back and then someone else had like taken my stuff off the machine and was using it for mm. themselves. Possibility. And at the beginning, it slide. I was just like, oh, you know, it doesn't matter. And towards and after a while, I went. You know, I I'm not okay with this, and I I learned to stand up for myself and actually say, um, "Excuse me, what makes you think that you can stop me using this machine, and you can just go on it? You should you should be asking my you know you should be saying to me, oh, am, I, am I done? Or you know, oh sorry, I didn't realize you would, you know you weren't done with it. I'll put your mm. stuff back on. But just going, my stuff is more important." And I'm not going to share this. I'm just going to take it because you left for a minute. Yeah. And I'd say to them, you know, towards the end, it'd be like, you know, that's not acceptable. And I, you should apologize to me, demanding an apology. Hmm. And I remember actually, there was a guy who was really bad for that. Um, you, you know, you get you get people from uh, all sorts of people from all sorts of walks of life, but you do get. Some- yeah, I mean, do you actually think it was gender related? Or it was just people related. The problem with a lot of what I'm saying with genders is that 
it doesn't being of a certain gender does not mean you act a certain way you know being i said about the whole i get a lot of men say to me like oh like why is this getting to you so much that doesn't mean all women feel things more and get more emotional and all men don't understand why women are getting upset you know the you know the opposite going on as well there are men getting upset and feeling their work and getting upset over their work and there are women going why 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 are you getting upset over it? It does exist the other way around. At the same time, do I see a trend? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a bit like saying, you know, there are stereotypes, and stereotypes are not an accurate representation of everyone. Yeah. At the same time, they have to come from somewhere, right? Where do stereotypes come from? Made up out of nowhere. But it's important to say, you know what, it, this thing is out there, but it does not mean everyone's like it. Mm. Yeah, I always struggle with the gender debate because on the one hand, it's just so dull, you know, to be talking about the disparities. And then, but on the other hand, they kind of do exist and they're really significant and we should be talking about yeah. it. So I'm like really yeah. split, you know, when it comes to the whole debate. Um, because I think ultimately it boils down to assertiveness and yeah. what you evolved into as a result of like your lab experiences and, and things um, yeah. is about developing assertiveness. Yeah, I think learning, you know, going there and learning, you know, it's not okay to to just behave this way and learning to stick up for yourself. Um, that self-work. Yeah, I think it's important. And I think that has definitely helped. And when people say to me, you know, oh, like, sort of, are you sure you want to be doing this with your life and not this? That sort of, it comes from the same sort of area of, oh, well, you can't say that to me. Yeah. I am sure this is what I'm doing with my life. Mm. Why? You know, who gives you the right to question that? Yeah. And it comes from that place of, actually needing to sort of like have a quiet moment with yourself and go, you know, am I doing what I want to be doing? Yeah. Yeah. You have the right to be happy. You have the right to do whatever makes, you know, whatever makes you happy. It's the same argument with having kids. You shouldn't feel like you have to have kids. Yeah. So this realization about sort of like self-fulfillment and, um, self-direction is that something you've always had or have you um, grown to learn about that stuff uh, with time I think I've always been quite ambitious um, I've always been someone to push myself I have an older sister who's quite quite a lot older than me and I think I was always trying to play catch up a little right. bit was she in STEM yes hmm. she is interesting um so yeah, she's you know she was very successful and very hardworking, and I guess I guess in a lot of ways my sister was my role model mm. actually. Um, and so, what did you learn from her? It was just nice having someone go through it all before me, and even now sometimes I'll ring her up and we'll, we'll talk on the phone, and I'll. Uh, I'll say to her, you know, I've been having been having this problem, and she gets it. Inside, like, we'll be. I'll say, like, I know, like, 
this thing is like, I'm really feeling upset about my work today. I've been trying so hard and she just understands. Mm. And it's really nice having that. Yeah. Um, any other thing that, something interesting we've actually been talking about recently is um, in science is names. So the whole last name thing. Um, because in science, you get told if you want to publish and be a published scientific author and you want to be an academic, um, apparently it's really bad if you change your name. So if you start publishing during your PhD and you use like your, your birth name, mm. your last name, and then you know a few years after your PhD, you change your name. You get married or something. You you get married and then when you you publish again and you've you've got a different name on that article compared to the first articles you wrote. And apparently it's really bad for like if, if you if someone wants to look up the work you've done, they only find, you know, either the ones you've put under your first name or the ones you've put under your second name. Yeah. And there have been more recent developments for um to help deal with this problem. So you can get something called an ORCID ID, which is a unique identifier number. Rather than having a name, you have a, an identifying number. Right. You can put on, you know, for, for this number, here are all my articles. So it doesn't matter if you change your name. Mm. But that hasn't completely caught on with everyone. People still will look for your name um, and look for your publications by name. And I was saying to her, and it's something I, I think probably most women will go through is do you want to keep your own name? Do you want to change your name? And, you know, how will that affect your publishing? Like, it's something that I didn't even really think of um, for a while. And I think, I think it's one of those things that probably, unless they're planning on changing their name, um, men don't think of because it's not something they you know most men don't change their names but it's it's a big I mean personally it was one of those things where I went I, do I want to do this do I not want to yeah. do this what do I what do I do about this I'm getting a really strong kind of like sense that you are very tenacious like your grandmother um <laughs> in trying to prove your validity on this earth. Mm. Um, it's really interesting because I've been trying to sort of like gauge where your drive comes from and it sounds like you really need to prove um, yourself um, yeah. and, and you know, what you've got to give academically. Yeah. Um, and that's just really kind of fascinating. Like, where do you, do you think that's true? And, you know, what, what do you think about that? I think partly it is just, I enjoy learning. Yeah. And that's, I think that's a big part of it. It's just enjoyment. Mm. It's not all, you know, I've got to prove myself. I've got to do this. It's partly just, I'm, I'm doing it because I enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. I find it fascinating. Um, because I want to learn, and um, that's just who I am. Mm. And then I think part of it is, you know, we all I think we all go through a stage where we ask ourselves, you know, what are we what are we bringing to 
the table what are we what are we all about mm. what do you think you are bringing to the table i think i think the answer to that is i remember saying it to someone else that no matter what i do in life whether i become a mother whether i don't become a mother whether i become a wife whether i don't become a wife you know whether I come up or you know, when I'm old, whatever, there's one thing that I feel like I am, and that is a scientist. I don't, I can't imagine myself doing anything else. Mm. And, you know, I've, I've said, you know, I've spoken about, <laughs> I know it's a long way off, but I've spoken about sort of retiring. <laughs> and I said, I know, I know I'm one of those people that keep learning. I can't just retire. I would go into schools out of my own free will to teach science mm. to schools when I retired for free I'm, I'm I couldn't just sit at home you know gardening mm. lost without doing some some kind of science yeah I mean it sounds like you've really found your true calling and so me asking you the question of what advice would you give to prospective girls in STEM is kind of answered um in the sense that you know, you're a real advocate for following your passion. Um, is there anything you would add in terms of like advice? I'd say don't be scared of, you know, it is great finding your passion, but don't be scared about that taking time. And don't be scared about getting it wrong. Mm, yeah. Have a lot of especially when you're young like you've got to get it right first time you've got to find your calling this and the other sometimes that just takes time um sometimes you've got to try something it doesn't work out and that's okay uh you don't have to get everything perfect the first time and don't feel like you have to stick at something because if you don't enjoy it do do things that you enjoy because it's your life and you're the one who's actually got to go through it. You know, if you choose a career because you've been told to do it, you know, you're the one doing that for the next 50 years or however long it will be when we actually get old, we'll probably re be retiring <laughs> very late, mm. <laughs> given what the, the retiring age is rising and rising. What if you're really interested in something but not very good at it? Like, have you ever experienced that? Yeah, I think that's really, I think it's really hard because we've got this big society and big pressure in society that to do something, you've got to be good at it. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's fine to not be good at something. <laughs> if you enjoy it, you should, you should do it. You know? So it's not a sign that you should quit. <laughs> no, no. If you enjoy it, then you should you should do it i mean like this is it's always the thing that you've got to make things you know got to make things difficult for yourself you really don't like if you it's like you know playing video games play a game on easy play a really easy game if you enjoy it why not why why do you have to make it mm. and has that been your experience i'd say i'm a bit of a hypocrite there because it is i i do get quite frustrated with myself yeah you know, if i want and it doesn't go right then you know you, you do get frustrated but it is difficult but it is I think it is important and it's something I've learned to do over the years to say you know it's okay that it it didn't go the way that I wanted mm. um 
but yeah there definitely is a pressure on people to be sort of a perfectionist yeah but it's not healthy it's not healthy because we can't be perfect we're not humans aren't perfect nobody's perfect yeah I think especially in STEM because there's always this kind of you know as we were talking about earlier like there is a training that there's always a right answer but the higher you go in science the more you realize that actually you're getting to levels where the answers haven't been discovered yet and that's almost our responsibility and so um it's as though your relationship with failure has to adapt to that. Mm. What's been your experience in dealing with failure? Um, So it wasn't, again, when you're you're at uni and you're doing teaching labs um, sort of early on, uh, you're doing experiments where they've been done by students for years and years before you. You know, it's been perfected. They know it works. And then you get a mark at the end for, did you make this shiny white powder? Uh, And then, you know, that's it. And then when I went into industry, um, I was doing sort of real science. I was doing, we're going to try and make this compound that's never been made before for medicinal use. Uh, And it's a case of what you make at the end of the day isn't just being thrown in the bin. Mm done before we don't know if it's going to work or not and that was really difficult to begin with because you're used to things working yeah Um, and yeah it took it's just that ability to just keep going through it you do you do learn to build up an immunity to it Uh, i'd say sometimes it still does get difficult I mean, I did some reactions today and I've looked at the results and neither of them worked. But, you know, it is disappointing because you care about it. It's important. But you do, you do learn to build up a resistance. And endurance, it sounds like. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And when it does pay off, it it actually feels so much more rewarding. So I think when you learn build up that resistance when you learn you know it is more difficult doing these unknown reactions and doing this unknown stuff but when it does work I actually feel so much more accomplished than just doing something that I knew was going to work so the reward from it you learn that the reward from it is worth is worth it Mm, yeah definitely yeah yeah, it's it's a difficult thing to learn. And that just takes patience, doesn't it? Mm, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you're learning so many life skills, really, um, in studying STEM. And um, it's just been so amazing hearing your journey um, because it's not just about chemistry. It sounds like all your experiences um, are influencing who you are as a well-rounded woman yeah um and so it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show thank you so much for joining me thank you for having me that's it from my stem guest this week gosh i really feel like my guest has a very strong sense of self yet doesn't really appreciate just 
how much self-awareness she really does have and um, in talking to her I feel actually empowered myself um, in hearing her clarity in kind of putting her opinions about herself before anybody else's that's what I got from our conversation today thank you so much for listening to silence and catch you next week and don't forget to subscribe and rate and review the show I'd love to have your feedback Catch you next week.